It's our privilege to have Adam Meredith, Senior Pastor of Red Door Community Church, as our guest speaker today. Adam, if you want to come up, yeah, give him a hand. So Adam and his wife Dale have been the Senior Minister of the Red Door since 2012, and he's been a pastoral colleague and friend to Wayne for many years. Um, you lead the Coburn Pastors Geo Network. You're a member of our New Life Board of Overseers, External Overseers, which is the group of uh, people available as a resource to our church, to New Life Church, as uh, to the board as needed. And so really want to thank you, Adam. Um, looking forward to hearing what you're going to talk about today. Thanks, Blair. Good morning, church. How are you all going? Blair, we're having problems with notes today. I'm throwing mine around and you are... God's throwing yours out, apparently. So maybe this is a point of uh, movement today. Have you, have, a good, have you had a good morning? How cold was it this morning? Man, I had to put my jumper on this morning. I felt like I needed to put another one on. So, so cool. But who loves the rain? Who's a bit of a winter person? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. like it. Oh, I, um, it's a real privilege to be here today. And um, I really love New Life Church. Last time I was here, I spoke and um, I was actually located, uh, you were located at John, John Curtin College. And uh, so it's been a little while since I've been here. I think I came to a, a New Year's Eve prayer meeting that was here uh, many moons ago. And so um, I, I love this new space that you have compared to the very cavernous gym that once was. Uh, so uh, it's great to be here today. Obviously, uh, Wayne is uh, heading towards 60 years old. Everyone say 60. I want to encourage you that when he comes back, hopefully next week, that uh, one of the things that happens when you have a senior minister is that it's easy to grow familiar with something that's uh, with you all the time, right? And your senior ministers, uh, Wayne and Julie, are precious people. Don't allow something precious to become familiar. Uh, when he comes back, make sure you encourage them. He's such an encouragement to me, and I am so grateful that as he turns 60, um, yes, he is becoming an old man, everybody, yes. But don't tell him that next week. That's not encouraging, okay? I feel a bit like that. I turned from, I'm next year's like the big 5-0, right? So I'm starting to feel the same way. My son, Harrison, last, uh, last night, he's asking me, and he's making me feel very old. He says, Dad, do you know when they had like cassette Walkmans, did they have like a volume control on them? And I'm going, what do you think I am from the Stone Age or something? But I think the reality is as you get older, you start to realize that success is not about bigger, better, faster. Success is about faithfulness, fruitfulness, and finishing the very thing that God gave you to do. And when I think about Wayne, uh, he is a man uh, who, who is, who's faithful. He's been doing, he's like Bishop, Bishop Wayne, hey? He's like, he's been here forever. Right, and he's faithful, and he and he's fruitful. I see the spirit, the fruit of the spirit flowing out of his life. I, I see what God has given him to do, that he has finished what God's given him to do. Um, I see that that part of him, and that is successful in the kingdom. Jesus said, uh, "My will is to do the will of the Father." That's success. It's not this worldly definition of success. And so when you, when you see him next week, celebrate him. I know I'm harping on him right now, but I get to because he's not here, and then you can, you can do it on my behalf next week. So I want to tell you that as you get older in life, so what you begin to realize is that anytime you see life flourishing, it's because it's receiving nourishment from outside of itself. It's getting nourishment from, from, from somewhere else. It's not, it's not getting nourishment from, from itself. It's getting nourishment from outside of itself. And so my question to you all today is, what are you using to nourish yourself? 
What are you using to find nourishment? Jesus had a secret to his life. He had a secret to his ministry that he practiced more than he preached about. Uh, he, he didn't speak about this much. Actually, I can't see anywhere where he spoke about it too much, to be honest. But we see him practicing it. Where did he get his nourishment from? The important thing is we discover his secret. You'll never do what God is calling you to do unless you discover what this secret is. Where did Jesus get his nourishment from? And so we see it in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. And my secret's already been revealed right now. It says this, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So the secret up front, let me tell you, everything that you need is found in the secret place. Jesus, his secret was being in the secret place. And you might think, well, it's easy for Jesus, he's God. But what I want you to lock into is his humanity today. Jesus is 100% human, 100% God, simultaneously. It doesn't fit in your brain, I'm sorry. But if you just lock into his humanity for a minute and recognize that what Jesus needed to flourish is the same thing that we need to flourish in our humanity. We need to be in the secret place. I want you to recognize today, as we think about this secret place, is not... Um, Let's not look directly at what is the secret place. Let's actually look at something that seems to be in opposition to the secret place. Let's talk about the public place. This is a way of comparing the two. As we think about the public place, our culture right now is obsessed with the public place. It's obsessed with it. How you're perceived in the public place is seemed to be the most important thing. When you only see your value coming from the public place you may fall into the trap of ambition, drive, exhaustion. Ambition, drive, exhaustion. Our culture is obsessed with the public place. So when you live in the public place and you're trapped in this cycle, what you'll find is humans do this other cycle to try and counteract the cycle. And this, this, the counteractive cycle is when you have ambition driving you, exhaustion, you escape and you numb yourself. You escape and you numb yourself. Like this thing that I'm doing is killing me, I've got to find a way to get out from under this, to escape it. I've got to take the edge off it, numbing it. And so we live for the public holidays. We live for holidays. We live for the vices. We live just to see through the day in the pressure of the public place. It's interesting when you live in this cycle and uh, if you're caught in this cycle, if you're trapped in the cycle of ambition, escape, numbing, if you're trapped in that, what will happen is you may eventually achieve your ambition. You may actually you may achieve it, right? And you may get what you want, but unfortunately you could be potentially so damaged by what it cost you to get what you wanted that eventually it doesn't even seem worth it in the first place. Our culture is saturated by individualism, humanism, consumerism. And so the pull towards this way of living is very strong. It's very strong. We're saturated by it. It's woven to the fabric in the fabric of our culture. And it becomes about drive. It comes all about ambition, rush. Because we have a limited time here on earth. So we've got to rush. We've got to achieve. And in that place, there's, it's a sense of reaching, grasping, rushing, fear. In order to rest in the fruits of your labor. And all of this, plus this current wave of social media, which is adding to this sense of entitlement, comparison, discontentment, 
The public place is very noisy. You getting that impression this morning? Do you feel the noise elevating as I, even as I'm talking about it? Oh man. Our lives can become so noisy. C.S. Lewis put it this way in his book, um, where uh, in 1939, actually, 84 years ago, he wrote the Screwtape Letters. And he put it in the mouth of, of the devil. And Junior Devil says to Senior Devil, who's read the Screwtape Letters? Interesting book. But Junior Devil says to Senior Devil, hey, remind me of the plan. And the Senior Devil says, well, our plan's very simple. It's to create so much noise that in the world, that man can no longer hear the voice of his God. Our lives have become so noisy. And you might be sitting here today and you're thinking, if you are caught in the public place cycle, you might be thinking, oh, it's only for a season. Oh, it's only for a season. Well, listen, I'm, I know I'm working 100 hours a week right now. By the way, if you were working 100 hours a week, you probably wouldn't be here. You'd be working right now. But if, you, if you're caught in that thing, you can kind of have this sort of, sort of excuse. Well, I'm, I've just got to get over this hump. It's just a season, you might say, you say to yourself. And if you're in that place, I want you to listen very carefully. You can lose your soul in a season. You can lose your kids in a season. Look at, you, can, you, you can lose your marriage in a season. You can lose your integrity in a season. So like, go and talk to a homeless person. You can lose everything in a season. If you're trusting in the public place, you are setting yourself up for spiritual failure. And we're warned about this, actually, everywhere in Scripture, but none more so in Jeremiah 17 uh, from verse 5. I want to read that to you. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person is like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in a parched land, parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Where are you getting your nourishment from? Where are you getting your nourishment from? When drought comes, the roots of the plant, they go under so much stress and they're reaching into the soil to extract something from the soil. And what we're seeing collectively in culture right now as a society, especially the last few years, that our culture is the soil that we're all planted in. We're all planted in this soil. But the soil doesn't possess enough. The modern culture we live in doesn't possess enough to nourish our modern spirits. There's not enough in it. So we're stretched, we, we, we reach, we're thin people, exhausted people, shallow people, tired people. This is a commentary on the culture we live in, okay? If you're taking this personally, that means this message is for you today, you need to be listening. But you, do you agree, we're in this culture that this is the prevailing culture we live in. Interesting, the word that's just repeating this morning during worship, behold him. We are called to look different in the world we live in, Yeah. We're meant to look uh, that our nourishment is coming from the secret place. So we, that, we look different. We've got a strength in us that's not of ourselves. It's from the Father in heaven who completes us and fills us and gives us everything that we need. And so please hear me as I'm describing the culture we live in. I'm not assigning it to you. I'm describing this is the nature that we live in and how do we look different. We look different because we've got a source that goes way deeper than the culture we're planted in. We're in the world, but we ain't of it, people. We are not of it. It says, interestingly, in that scripture we just read, that uh, it, they won't see prosperity when it comes. 
if you're trapped in this, this cycle, uh, you, like I said before, you can work and work and work and you can get what you want, but you can't enjoy it because who you've become in order to get it. You don't see prosperity when it comes. Herman uh, Bavnik, a social commentator, says this, the more abundantly the benefits of civilization come streaming our way, the emptier our lives become. With all its wealth and power, it only shows that the human heart in which God has placed eternity is so huge that the world is way too small to satisfy it. Oh, I love that picture. The world will not satisfy you. In the desert in that same region, as Jeremiah is describing, in Jeremiah 17 that we read in those verses, when the summer rains come in that area, little mini oasises would like pop up, like out of nowhere. Well, the rains come, poof, suddenly there's this like life kind of emanating from it. And it would, that oasis would last as long as the water was on the surface. And then everything would just dry up. This land, this soil is like our modern culture. The curse of the modern culture is that the soil we live in doesn't have enough to sustain our souls. So where are you getting your nourishment from? Are you ready for some good news? I know, I'm sorry. Setting you up, setting you up a little bit. Because we need something better than our culture has to offer. We need Jesus. Jesus is certainly interested in the public place because that's where he was called to minister into. But he didn't draw his energy from there. He didn't draw his strength from there. He was called to minister to the public place. But everything he needed was given to him in the secret place. And as we continue in Jeremiah 17, from verse 7 to 8, this is where the good news kicks in for us. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Do you know someone like this? Do you know someone who's not tossed around by the waves of circumstances, by the winds of public popularity, by the someone is disappointed in you, someone's angry at you, someone's frustrated by you? A situation, a circumstance that just come and go, and they seem, tend to go. They don't. They, they don't go with that. They're just solid. Do you know someone like that? They're drawing on something deeper. They're drawing on something stronger, better than what's happening around them. There's this place that I've got a picture on the screen. It's in Israel, and it's called Ganhash Losha. Great name, Ganhash Losha. And it's in the middle of nowhere. So you imagine a desert and then imagine you come up to something like this and you would think, oh, maybe that's like some optical illusion dynamic that you see on the cartoons. No, it's a real place. It's a real place. And it's, it's not fed by the rains that come and go. It's like that all year round because it's fed by three underground springs and it's not dependent on the, on the environment. It's not dependent upon the rain. It's consistently flourishing. It's possible to be in a cultural desert of complete and utter exhaustion, but have a spirit that looks like that. If you're thinking about what's my goal, why am I following Jesus? Why did I come to church this morning? Why do I want to be in his presence? Why do I want to seek after the secret place and be in it? It's because you want a spirit that looks like that. 
Because when you've got a spirit that looks like that in a culture of exhaustion, you will stand out. You will be different and you will be asked, how come you, your life looks like a spring? Well, they might not use that language. <laughs> but they will see something different about you. It's because you're drawing from an everlasting water. And so the goal for us is to learn the secret of the secret place. That in such a way that regardless of what comes, things are going to come, things are going to go, but you have a source and you know how to access it so you can get from God what he offers in the place that he gives it. And where does he give it? He gives it in the secret place. And so when that time comes and it looks like you're going to wither and fade away, instead you prosper and you bear fruit in that same season. Now this is good news, hey? Jesus mentions the secret place in Matthew 6. And it's interesting in Matthew 6, if you read it, he talks about public um, giving, private giving. He talks about public fasting, private fasting. He talks about public prayer, private prayer. And he's calling us into a place of private prayer, secret prayer. But recognize that what we need for public ministry is found in the secret place. And so Matthew 6, 6 says this, but when you pray... Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Bob Sorge, a great author, he's got a book called The Secrets of the Secret Place. I like the title, Secrets of the Secret Place. Tell me the secret. What if, he says this, what if there was a place that where you go, every time you went there, you received affirmation for who you really are, strength for whatever circumstances you face, and encouragement in a time of disillusionment, and power to get through anything. Stop looking for God elsewhere. The Father is found in the secret place. How many times am I going to say the secret place? I'm going to say it a lot this morning. And if you're sick of me saying it, what that means is you need to get to the secret place. Get to the secret place. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to the secret place. Get to the secret place. It's critical. It's critical. This following Jesus business is not some, you know, dynamic where we, we, we go after the very convenient. It requires a choice to get to the secret place. It requires a decision to get to the secret place. In a culture, we are saturated by the instant, the immediate. I have a need. Let me satisfy it right now with the most minimal effort possible. We're saturated in that environment. The secret place is not like that. The secret place is one where we must choose to enter into that place. What do we get at the secret place? The question is, what did Jesus get at the secret place? What did he get? What did he find there? And the pattern of Jesus' life is actually quite frustrating, to be honest, especially if you were the disciples. Because in the whole region at the time, in Luke 5 that we just started with, all this stuff is happening. His popularity and, and, and uh, I suppose, notoriety is growing. And Jesus is like, I've got to go. I don't know how many of you have been watching the Chosen series over the last few years. It's, it's an excellent series. But there's so many episodes where Jesus is not even, doesn't even, it's not even there. And the subtext is... He's in the secret place. They don't use that language in the chosen, but he's, he's, he's off with his father, apparently. What's that? He's in the secret place. Again, Jesus demonstrated this more than he literally spoke about it. So Jesus was tapping into a wisdom that his disciples just, you know, frankly, they found frustrating. They didn't really understand. And so Jesus, you know, it looks like your public ministry is growing. It looks like it's gaining momentum. 
And, uh, you're, and Jesus is like, I'm out of here. It's like, what? That's really bad PR strategy, Jesus. You need to be upping your daily posts on social media. You need to increase your radio and TV advertising right now. Increase your presence in the public space. Come on. And he's like, ah, no, I'm out of here. I, I, like in our culture, I think we're sometimes we're desperate for followers, right? And Jesus is, to get, is desperate to get space away from his followers, in a sense. I think that's very interesting. And so if we don't get to the secret place, I want to be, I want to warn you very, please don't miss this. If we don't get to the secret place, we'll talk about more in a minute, in a minute about exactly what that is. But if we don't get there, you can fall victim to the social, social compulsions of our society that are motivated by fear. The social compulsions. Um, about not being about the father's business, but being about your business. Not about seeking first the kingdom of God and not being motivated by faith. Actually be motivated by fear. And you'll drift into that space very quietly, very subtly, where you won't even know that you've drifted until something happens. Usually what happens is your soul is so empty, right? And you're crushed by the the pressures around you. And suddenly God uses those moments to try and wake you up. It's like calling you, wooing you but using pressure to draw you back to the secret place. This is why it's so important. And so Jesus' rhythm here, when he, we think about how he lived day to day, his rhythm is one way of thinking about it is calling, withdrawal, power. Calling, withdrawal, and power. So he lived by calling, not by ambition. See, Jesus wasn't addicted to the public place. Because the reason why we know he wasn't addicted to the public place is because he never would have been able to withdraw to the secret place. Do you see this? It's like if you are literally an addict to how the public place perceives you, you will very rarely retreat away from people into the silent place, into the secret place, because you can't. You must be in the public place in order to maintain that image, that dynamic. But Jesus was motivated by calling, not ambition. I think that's a really important point, and I just want to sit on there for a minute. In Philippians 2.3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That picture of selfish ambition. So if you find yourself being unable to get to the secret place, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I motivated by selfish ambition rather than being motivated by the kingdom of God, by his heart? Does that make sense? I think that's just a great self-assessment of, of what is your motivating factor so you can be, uh, I suppose, imitating Jesus' rhythm. Calling, withdrawal in the secret place, and then going out in power. So what did Jesus get in the secret place? What did he get there? I'm going to give you three things. Identity, strength, and courage. So the first one, I'm going to label deep identity. Deep. What did he get in the secret place? He got identity. In, um, in January, most years, for probably the last 10 years or so, I've been spending time uh, fasting and praying and just like more intentionally pulling away from, uh, you know, it's quite a hard time to do it, to be honest, because January is like, you know, holiday time, you know, let's eat, let's be merry. It's not bad, right? But I'm like, why have I done this in January for crying out loud? And uh, but anyway, it's what it is. And so... 
to be honest with you, that drawing away has become a regular habit in that month of January. And in that month of January, um, in that secret place, God has been revealing to me more and more about the lies that I'm believing about myself. And I'm coming to you quite humbly today because I want to tell you one of the lies I've been believing that relates to myself, right? Um, because it's quite embarrassing. It's like, oh, gee, I thought I was a bit more mature than this. And uh, if you've known you've been, if you've been married more than five minutes, you'll know marriage is a great way to grow and become a bigger person on the inside. I think that uh, one of the things I've been noticing in myself is just continually being defensive when my wife, my beautiful wife, Dale, challenges me or says something that I just take the wrong way. And man, I just don't react well. And in this time of like just dedicated time in the secret place, I just felt the Father just open my eyes to the, the reality that the way I see it is that when my wife disagrees with me or she's upset with me, I'm taking that on as like she doesn't value me, she doesn't love me. I'm taking that. And it's like on the surface when I tell you that, you might think, well, that's pretty obvious, Adam. Don't do that, right? But there's layers to this sucker, right? And, and it's got to get deeper to the point where you're like, I'm so rote. My value does not come by what even my spouse thinks about me. My value comes from the cross. That's where my value comes from. And the deeper that gets into you, suddenly your identity becomes stronger and stronger. You're more robust in the faces of difficulties. But where's that found? I found that in the secret place, and that was in January. I want to let you know, my marriage has seen the benefit for that in the last six months. I'm like, yes, praise the Lord. I'm not as defensive as I once was. And why am I not defensive? As defensive, I still get defensive. Don't worry. Um, it's because in the secret place, God is just molding a deeper identity into his son. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing that bit by bit. So deep identity, identity. The second one is strength. When you learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord, as David did in 1 Samuel 30, because you're going to face situations, people. You're going to face situations where the momentum is not with you. It's against you. And what are you going to rely on then? Where are you going to receive strength from? Are you going to receive strength from the Lord? Or are you going to receive strength by doing better, trying harder? Don't do that. You're just exhausted. That's just the trap, right? Receive strength from the Lord. And, and the reality is, when we think about strength, the internal fortitude of your soul we're talking about, not your muscles, the muscles of your soul I'm talking about, our hearts are too small to handle the love that we need for the mission that we've caught, been called and given to do if we're going to do it on our own. Our hearts have got to get bigger. Why do our hearts got to get bigger? Because when they're bigger, they can receive more of who God is on the internal. Does that make sense? So if you've got this tiny little heart, God can't get more strength into that small little heart. He needs to grow your heart. We know this, Ephesians 3, that God would increase your heart and strengthen your inner being. To be strong in the Lord in this hour, it's going to take more than a few verses of your devotional on a Tuesday morning. Damn it. just want to do my Tuesday morning devotional. That's good enough. No, you've got to interact with God himself, who is the word. And that which is his heart gets interwoven with how you think, how you feel, how you respond, how you react, how you plan. Everything is interwoven because you have taken time in the secret place to meditate, to utter, 
to moan, to rehearse, to bring over and over again, to put into his words, to put into your words, to gather other scriptures, to wait on the Lord, the good shepherd, to hear his voice and make those utterances, prayers, confessions, sing them as songs. I tell you, in January, my value comes from the cross was my utterance. I was singing it in the secret place to my father. Why was I doing it? Because I want his heart for me to be interwoven with my heart so I'm strengthened on the inside of my being. Is this making any sense today? This is where life is found. This is where strength is found. Get to the secret place. Turn to the person next to you and say, get to the secret place. Please get there. To be strong in the Lord in this hour, we must get to the secret place. Some of you have had dreams and visions that you've had for a long time now and that that dream and vision involves you being used of God to witness a fresh wave of God through the city of Perth. The secret place is where God prepares your heart and gives you strength. If that's you today, I want you to think this through. The secret place is the place where the walls of your soul become thicker in order to handle the weight of God's glory that he's going to put through you and use you for. I'm going to say that again. You may have a sense of calling that God wants to use you as a part of of a fresh wave of his glory in the city. But he's not going to allow his glory to destroy you. So what is he doing? In the secret place, what he wants to do, he wants to build up the walls of your heart so your heart can actually handle the weight of the glory that he is going to fill you with and use you for. Does that make sense? Because our hearts need to be strengthened. So if you have that, get to the secret place, that sense of that desire to see revival, that desire to see him move in your life, through your life, and in the world around you. But it's not just that sense of calling. It's also just the fact that we don't want to allow situations and circumstances to crush us. So get to the secret place. Sometimes I've spoken to people and they'll say this wonderful thing. Um, God's not going to give you anything you can't handle. Has anyone ever heard that? It's not actually true because why do you need to get to the secret place? It's because you can't handle it, therefore get to the secret place so you can handle it. And the reality is the scripture that they're referring to in 1 Corinthians 10 has got to do with temptations. That God's not going to give you, God's not going to even tempt you in the first place, but your temptation's not going to come to you, that you're not going to have enough capacity to escape temptation. Does that make sense? But circumstances are going to come and try and crush the life out of you. So get to the secret place. Because only God in you is strong enough for you to handle that stuff. Get to the secret place. Yes, I think that's count number 47. So we've got deep identity. We've got strength. This last one, courage. Uh, listen, when we talk about this, this, is the, this doesn't come in theory, right? This is about, it's not about knowing more about God. But in the secret place, it means speaking to God face to face. Let me be brutally honest. When you're in the secret place, it's not always nice prayers and warm fuzzies, Right? Most of the time, one of the ways you know you're in the secret place because it's ugly prayers. It's angry with God. It's snot and tears. It's pain and frustration and ugly crying. And get it out there with God. God, if you don't come through right now, my marriage is over. 
Get it out with him. Don't internalize it. If you don't, if you internalize those things and don't get them out with the Father, what you'll do, you'll naturally fall back onto human solutions and human solutions is what got you there in the first place. So you've got to get it out there with God. You've got to get raw with him. You've got to get real with him. Someone asked me last week, oh, can, if God's feeling something from God, can I, can I ask questions about it? Like, yes, banter with God, get in the secret place and play table tennis with him for crying out loud. Talk to him about what you see him revealing in you so you can get it in there and let it transform you. Does that, is that making sense? Don't do beer and Skittles kind of secret place time. Get it real. Get it real. Look at Jesus in the garden. He was in the secret place and it wasn't pretty, right? But it was there that he accessed courage. He accessed it to, to do the mission that God had sent him to do. And what, look at what his three friends did. They fell apart under the sheer pressure of it. They fell apart. But when the test came, Jesus walked to the cross with courage because he found strength in the secret place. I find that so interesting that the, the Garden of Gethsemane was the place he would go a lot of the time for his secret place. And that's exactly the same place he got courage to fulfill the mission that God had given him to do. Man. If you've been to the secret place, when the time comes to be courageous, the power comes. The power comes. One of the products of courage is direction. Let me explain that to you. A lot of the time, God wants to push us in a direction, but we'll, 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 we'll shrink back from it because we're concerned that I, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. And we'll shrink back and... In the, what happens in the secret place, he deposits courage in you. And so when the thought of this direction comes, the courage comes. It's almost like in the secret place, there's this invisible deposit system going on where he's giving you all that you need to do all that he's calling you to do, but you're unaware that you're receiving the deposits, right? You're just you're getting it. And all of a sudden, when you're in that place of, I've got to make a decision about how I'm going to follow him, the resources that you need are right there. I had um, that happen in January again. January is a great month, you know. And um, I've been involved in connecting the churches in the city of Coburn for the last 15 years and felt to create, do a day um, where we're praying. And it was a bit like a, um, uh, you know, when you go from house to house for dinner, you call them a progressive dinner. Has anyone been on a progressive dinner? Not very popular nowadays, but I don't know. Maybe that's because I'm 50 years old. And um, anyway, we did a progressive prayer meeting. So we went from one church to the other, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. We had 12 churches involved. And uh, in January, God was going, are you going to organize this? Are you going to, are you going to make it ha happen? Are you going to do something? Like, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to do this. I don't, who am I? I don't want it to look like the Adam show. I want it to be your show, Lord. That's my, you know, excuse for shrinking back a bit. Anyway, I, I just, that one day I just went, you're, you're making a message email to everyone today and you're setting a planning meeting on this date. I go, oh, okay. Anyway, I get to my computer after spending this secret time, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to send an email out to everyone and they're going to come to this thing. And I'm like going, who is this guy? What's going on? What happened was there was just courage that was deposited in a way that I can't explain. So when I got to the moment of the doing, I'm like, oh, I've got expectation. I've actually got a sense that this could work. 
And guess what? We had a most excellent day on the 25th of March this year where we had all the churches involved. It was just a beautiful time. And uh, man, the diversity of the body of Christ, I tell you, we had this, the Anglican church, which was very quiet, very gentle, very written prayers, you know what I'm talking about. And then we had um, so, uh, Indian church in um, just down the road, actually, um, Pentecostal Indian church. Mate, they were hanging from the rafters. They were going crazy. Mate. I tell you, it was, one thing it was like, wow, there's a lot of variation in the body of Christ. But at the same time, there's such a beauty in that, especially when we love each other because we're so, even though we're different. And the reason why we're, we see beauty there is because we see Jesus in it. Because there's a, like, how are these people that's friends? They're so different. It's because Jesus is the glue. He's the center. He's the reason. Not our style or our method or our thing, right? It's, it's Jesus, and he gets exalted when we... Anyway, I'm getting on off track now. Um, but all I'm trying to say there is in the secret place, courage and direction comes in a way that I can't explain other than you just secretly deposit it in your heart. Psalm 91, you know this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God... In him I will trust. Wow, I love that. I love those two words, refuge and fortress there. The secret place is a refuge. What is a refuge? A refuge means that you're in danger and you are running to a safe place. So your secret place is a refuge when you're in danger. And secondly, it's a fortress. A fortress is somewhere where you dwell within and you can have attacks coming at you, but because you're in the fortress, you're almost unaware of the attacks because you're in the fortress. So your secret place is a refuge and a fortress. The story of the Bible is not primarily about people desiring to be with God, but God's desire to be with us. The Father is desperate to be with you. Today, he's wooing you into the secret place, but will you respond? When was the last time you were in the secret place? When was that last time when you intentionally, you didn't have, you know when you go to time with God and you've got a bit of a to-do list? You know, like, okay, say these prayers, ask for these things. When was the last time you just put your to-do list down and went, ah, I just want to be with him. just want to be with him. That he's more beautiful than useful. He's just, his beauty, just being with him. When was the last time you spent time just doing that? It's, it's, it could be time for you to get to the secret place. Hey, let's just close our eyes. Let's just, just soften our hearts right now before the Lord. We talk about secret place being the place where you go into your closet and shut the door, and that's great. I encourage you to do that. Leave your phone at the door. Take your notebook in there and just write. Just write. Just doesn't even matter if it makes sense. Just write what he shows you. Listen with your ears. Listen with your heart. Listen with your eyes. But I want to let you know when you become accustomed to the secret place, you can access the secret place on the busiest street corner in the middle of New York City because once you become familiar with the presence of God, His closeness, you can access His strength and everything that you need. Father, I come to you humbly today recognizing that what we've got in our internal capacity 
what we've got in our personal resources is just not enough. Father, forgive us when we've relied on our human capacity, when we've relied on our ability, even even a gifting, a talent, when we've relied on the public place to tell us who we are. When we thought value comes from other things, Father, forgive us. Father, when we've become defensive because we didn't really know or forgotten who we actually are, forgive us. Holy Spirit, come right now. Please come. Increase your presence in our midst right now. Father, your children here today, uh, God, they need more more of you more of your assurance that you're for them not against them Lord we can say that thought and we cognitively understand that you're for us but in the secret place we want our hearts to receive it that you're for us forgive us when we run away with our own ways of doing things Some of you here today, you've um, been disappointed with God and that disappointment's causing you to not go to that place because you've had a a story where, and please hear me, I'm not belittling it at all, but you've had a story where you've, I've tried this secret place thing, Adam, and it, it doesn't work. And your heart's received a sense of disappointment and and that's like a, a wedge that's causing you not to enter in a way that maybe you once did before. And so, Father, for those stories today that that relates to, God, I want to ask for your healing to come where disappointment has created a wound, a wound that hurts, a wound that feels tender. You would come and heal those places of our heart that, that keep you at arm's length. Holy Spirit, help us to remove the barriers. Father, thank you that today some of you are making decisions about I want to be closer. good it's good to make decisions in church it's a place we make spiritual decisions but I feel like if you're in that place today I want to say to you that the Lord wants to say to you allow your, your, your presence in the secret place is going to be sustainable because the Lord is wooing you to that place and you're responding you feel him inviting you into the secret place and you can't wait to get there because not because you have to, but because you want to. And so Holy Spirit, create in us, all of us today, in Jesus' name, a fresh appetite for more of you, just to be close with you.
There'll be times in the secret place where you feel like you've achieved nothing, but in actual fact, you've achieved everything because you've got to be face to face with the creator of the universe. So Holy Spirit, woo us afresh. Help us to return to that first love that we once had for you, God, that we would not be dissuaded by the culture around us, but we would look different for your glory for your purposes and today I speak identity into every single one of us I speak courage speak strength if you're in a place where you just want to surrender to the Lord this morning just just stand up just say Lord I'm all yours no one's looking around just stand up and put your hands out like you're, on a rece- you're receiving something today. And it's like you're receiving a gift of a fresh appetite, a fresh desire, a fresh hunger for Him. No one's looking around. Just between you and God. doesn't matter. You're in the secret place. Just you and Him right now. Just receive afresh. And in that place, we behold you, God. We behold you, our Father in heaven. Holy Spirit, help us to melt into the Father's arms today. The quiet place, the still place. God, we behold you today. And as we do, thank you that you are changing us into more of yourself. Jesus' name.